Luke chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Several years ago, several churches in Colorado got together wanting to make an impact for Christ in their city. And so leaders from these churches went and met with the mayor of the city and asked, what is the most um, important thing, what is the biggest thing we could do as a church to make an impact in our community? So we're not just merely a building. And the answer that the mayor gave the people surprised them. He said, the greatest thing that you can do as a church is learn how to be good neighbors. It is the thing that would impact our city maybe more than anything else that you could do as a church. Learn how to be a good neighbor. And it's interesting as Jesus is talking, and in all of the Gospels in some way it records something similar to this account where it talks about Jesus saying this is the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and then the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself is it possible that all of our societal problems and everything that we face in our country could be changed and impacted if we simply took Jesus' words seriously and we learned how to love our neighbor as ourself. You know, there's some really important benefits that they found to being a good, cohesive community and neighborhood. Things like people in those contexts live longer. Their life expectancy is longer. Crime is about 60% lower. Where people know the people that live right next door to them. And the other thing that they found is there is no difference. No visible difference between a Christian and a non-Christian in that community, in that context. That, that just driving down the street, you don't see anything just visibly different from house to house that would say that person's a Christian and that person's not. That means the way that you see it is actually getting to know someone and having conversations with them and building relationships. This last Monday, 
It's interesting that this last Monday is the one time out of the year that it is perfectly acceptable to walk up to your neighbor's house and ring the doorbell, and it's completely expected that you would have come, especially if you have kids. And yet more and more of our neighborhoods, people are turning off their lights and shutting the curtains and just not wanting any visitors, and I get that because kids can be kind of crazy. But it's the one time that it is okay to go ring the doorbell of your neighbor and that it's expected that you would be there. It's expected that you would be doing this. So this past year, we've spent our time looking at who Shiloh Road is going to be as we move forward into the future, specifically looking to the year 2030. And we've said our vision, our mission as a church is that we would learn to exalt Christ, encourage one another, and then we said engage my neighbor. And we said it very specifically for a purpose. Not just simply that we would engage our neighbor, but that as individuals we would learn how to engage my neighbor is in literally the people that live next door to us. Because gone are the days of driving up to your house and parking your car out front and getting out and going and visiting with your neighbors. People just don't do that today like they used to. See, we have garage door openers and privacy fences. We want to be left alone and we want to keep to ourselves. And yet there's this something missing in our community there's something missing in our neighborhoods and I think a lot of it is that we don't know our neighbors the way that people once did people don't know their neighbors like they did when I grew up Or even going back a little further to when many of you grew up. Where where you knew your neighbors and their house was your house. See, I remember the relationships that we had with people that lived across the street from us. Marsha and Tommy Drum. Tommy was a Garland police officer. And I was the cool kid because I got to go sit in his police car. And Tommy cared for me, and he cared for my family. And even today, my parents still check in on Marsha, his wife, who has been a widow for a little over 20 years now. It was community. It was family. And yet today, today I wonder how many of us truly know our neighbors. How many of us truly know the people that live right next door to us? Because one of the things that we have said as our vision team looked at what we want to be in 2030 is to engage my neighbor. That means I have to know my neighbor. And so Jesus tells this man trying to justify himself, who's answered correctly, he tells him a story of the Good Samaritan. He tells him the story of the Good Samaritan who 
was beaten and this man beaten and left dead and this priest walks by another walks by and yet it's a Samaritan who stops and renders aid it's a Samaritan who walks not really a neighbor not really a friend not really someone who is next door to him but someone who is literally on the other side of the fence from him and so the question I want us to focus on just simply for the next three weeks and I think this time of year as we talk about Thanksgiving maybe just a great time to do this but do you really know your neighbors do you know the people who live next door do you know the people who live across the street from you and not you know who they are because that's soccer mom with a kind of annoying kid or that's the guy who cares too much about his yard and spends all his time working there or that's the lady who bakes things for people in our neighborhood that's the the teenager who drives too fast down our road but do you literally know who they are do you know their names do you know what's going on in their life uh, Right after we moved in, a couple moved in across the street from us. I was at a local bike shop here getting my bike worked on about six months ago. And there was another bike on the rack, and the guy at the shop starts telling me about it. He says, yeah, the guy who bought this bike, bought it, went out on his first ride here in, July, in June in Texas and had a heart attack. And so his bike is now for sale. And the very next week, I was across the street talking to my neighbor who was doing some yard work. And he said, yeah, I just bought a bike and I had a heart attack riding it. And I said, yeah, I, I know about this. You were riding. And so I start telling him about his heart. And it's interesting that I knew more about his heart attack from the local bike shop than I actually did from him. Isn't it funny that my neighbor, someone who lives right next to me, had a heart attack and I did not know about it until about a month after it happened? I wonder what's going on in the homes of people right around you. I wonder what's happening in their families and in their marriages. I wonder what their faith journey is like I wonder if they know Jesus and maybe even the more pointed question I wonder if we excuse me if me if we know the answer to that question what is going on and so there's a personal level to that but there's also a communal level to that. What about for Shiloh Road Church of Christ? Do we know our neighbors? There's a lot of diversity right here where God has placed us. There are several sets of apartments. There are neighborhoods this way. There are neighborhoods behind us and I wonder how well we know our neighborhood 
I, I wonder if our neighbors would know if we moved away. I wonder as a church right here with all these people around us, if they would even notice if our doors were closed. So what does it look like to be a good neighbor? What does it look like to engage the people that live around us? What does it look like to move our relationship from a stranger to an acquaintance to an actual relationship? See, it's more difficult because it requires time. It requires energy. It requires focus. And the one thing that I know is it is much easier to write a check to care for someone else's neighbor than it is to go next door to mine. It's so much easier for you to drop a a check or some money in a collection plate that takes care of someone else's neighbor than it is for you to go next door to your neighbor. And so this story of the Good Samaritan we hear where the two pass by, both religious leaders, they pass by, but yet it's a Samaritan who stops to help. It's a Samaritan who says, I'm going to do what I can where I am to help this man. And Jesus asks a very pointed question at the end of the story to the man who is trying to justify himself. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And as we hear this story, it's so easy for the neighbor to become simply a metaphor. Because in this story, it's the person who is the farthest from you, both politically and racially and socially and spiritually. It's the person who's across the road that you may never, ever get to come in contact with. It's the person maybe across the world that you would never know. See, it's your neighbor. It's your neighbor who is way, way over here that we hear the Good Samaritan story and say, that's the person that I'm supposed to love. The problem is you are here. And see, the the complexity of going there can impact the simplicity of going here. The complexity of going across the globe, the complexity of going to another state, the complexity of going to another city can make us miss the simplicity of simply going next door. You see, to go to my neighbor that Luke talks about, 
requires a lot of planning. And it requires a lot of preparation. But to go next door, it doesn't require much of me. It requires simply a willingness to step outside of my comfort zone. And it's not that we don't need missions and we don't need to send people to our neighbors across the globe. But what Jesus has called you to do, when he said to go into all the world and preach the good news of the gospel and baptize them and teach them everything that he's commanded, before you go there, start by going here. Start by going next door. What would happen if this collection of people, the body of Christ in Tyler, Texas, simply took Jesus' words seriously? To love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. What would happen in our city What would happen to our churches? Because it is a big, big step to go from here to there. It's a really simple step to go next door. To go there is planning and preparation. To go here is simply to get up and move. It's simply to walk outside your door and walk up to your neighbor's door. It's to invite your neighbor to come from their house into your house. To have a meal together. To share time together. To give advice. To help. What would happen if we stopped focusing on these big steps and simply took simple steps? Simple steps that you are completely capable of doing every single day. One of my favorite records in sports was set by a man named Cal Ripken Jr. He played the most consecutive baseball games of anyone else in history. The record was set at 2,130 by a guy named Lou Gehrig. A record that stood for almost 60 years. And in 1995, Cal Ripken Jr. played his 2,131st game breaking the record, a record people thought would never be broken. And I remember watching that night as Cal Ripken took curtain call after curtain call as he rounded the stadium acknowledging the fans and thanking them for their support and thinking, man, what a monumental task this was. I mean, this is, this is hard work, and this is going to work every day with a purpose. This is playing through injury. It's playing through sickness. There's all these things that went into this to accomplish this huge goal. But when you look at from the start to the beginning, it wasn't this one massive leap. It was small, incremental steps that happened every single day. It was things like eating well and taking care of your body. It was working out. It was preparing. It was playing through pain some days. It was playing through sickness some days. 
And I'm sure if you were to ask Ripken what was so monumental about the streak, he would probably say, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. I just did what I was supposed to do every single day. When we talk about going next door, when we talk about being good neighbors, we're not talking about this massive monumental step. We're simply talking about taking this simple step outside of your house and outside of your comfort zone and going next door. Going where God has given you a place to serve. In Acts, Paul is talking at a place called Mars Hill in Athens. And as he's talking, he he begins to help them see that this isn't just merely a plan where, where it's about them. This story is not just simply about them. And in verse 26 of chapter 17, he says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far off from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. That that I firmly believe that God has placed you where you are for the purpose of making an impact in the lives of people around you. I believe that personally, but I also believe that as our church. That God has planted us here at Shiloh Road to impact our community to impact the people that God has placed right beside of, right beside us. That you have the opportunity simply because of where you live and because of where you go to church to impact the people that God has placed around you. You know, you hear people all the time say, well, I think God wants me to go to so-and-so, go somewhere to serve Him, and maybe He does. And I believe that if God wants you to go to Africa or if God wants you to go to California, He will get you there. But what He wants more than anything else in the world from you in your life is for you to be faithful to Him and His purpose and His plan right where you are. And that begins with you and I beginning to minister to the people that live around us. People who live next door. So what if? What if God literally meant for you to love your neighbors? What what if he literally meant when he said love your neighbor as yourself, he wasn't simply talking about the neighbor that lived across the globe. But he was talking about the family that lived next door. Or the widow that lives across the street. Or the family with kids down the block. What if he literally meant for you to love the people that he has placed around you?
What if he meant for you to be aware of all of the people who surround you every single day that are hurting and are in need? And he has given you a platform simply because of where you are to be his hands and feet in this world and to share his love with the people around you. What would it look like to take those simple steps? And maybe for you that simple step is simply learning the name of someone who lives across the street. We, we took advantage of this at Halloween this year. As we went to people's houses on our street, there were several that we kind of knew but really didn't know their names. And we just simply said, you know, we're sorry. We've lived here for about three years. And we've talked a few times but we don't even know your name. We found out amazing things about some of our neighbors. We found out there's a a couple down the street from us, and the husband has Parkinson's disease. It's amazing, you would never know it, because his yard is immaculate. And he spends hours every week working in his yard. Who are the people that live around you? Who are the people that are your neighbors? What if you simply invited one of them over for dinner? I mean, I figure everyone's got to eat, right? What if you invited one of them for dinner? What if you ask for advice for your yard because they take care of their yard better than you do? Or ask for help with your car because they know more about that than you. That you find a common hobby that you can talk about. But it begins with a very simple step of taking the opportunity to go next door. Bake them some cookies or a loaf of bread. Go next door. And if you want to throw me under the bus, go for it. Our crazy preacher wanted me to come meet you. See, see here, here's what could happen. If each one of us began to take this seriously, then we have these little blocks of community that are forming all over town. Because each of us live in different places. And each of us have the ability to impact the people that live around us maybe more than anyone else just because of proximity. To love those people. To care for them. And so today we want to simply ask who is your neighbor? Who are the people that live next door? So when you came in you got this block map, hopefully. And there should be one for each family. And here's what I want us to do this week. I want us to try to begin to start filling this out. And I want you to begin praying for it as a family. For the people who live in these houses. And all you need to do, it says you are here, is write your address right there at the top where you live. 
And then at the top of those boxes, begin writing the names of the people that live around you. The people who live next door on both sides, the people who live across the street and diagonal from you, and then the people who live behind you. For me, we have an office complex and a street behind us. And so we're just going to use these blocks for other neighbors in our neighborhood. But on the top of that box, write their name. And and what the the people in these churches have found is that only about 10% of their people who do this can fill in all nine blocks with just the name. In the second part, write an attribute, kind of the middle section. An attribute about them. Something that's not visible. Something that you can't just see driving down the road. Um, Moved from Boston, ex-military. Divorced, but loves his kids and grandkids who spend time at his house. Just things that you know about your neighbors. And then at the bottom, that third, at the bottom of the box, write something about their heart, their hopes, and their dreams. Very giving, loving and compassionate people. Something that that distinguishes them. And then, as a family, begin praying for these people. Begin praying for them every single day that God will begin to open up doors for you to go next door. That God would begin to open up doors to relationship. You see, I believe firmly that those are the types of prayers that God answers. When we are asking Him to give us opportunities to minister to the people around us. I believe fully that God is going to give you many, many, many opportunities to do that. The question is, will your eyes be open to it? The other resource I want to let you know about is a a website called Nextdoor. It's a closed and secure social network for neighborhoods. And you put in your address... And it will put in, put you in the neighborhood that you live in. And the only people that you communicate there are the people within your neighborhood. Nextdoor.com. And I can promise you that your neighborhood in Tyler, Texas is on there. And we're finding that there are already a lot of people in our neighborhood who are finding community together through this website. And, and sharing. Hey, I, I had this, this need, and now it's been taken care of. Check it out. It, it is a tool. You see, technology is simply a tool that we have at our disposal. It's simply a tool that we can use to further the gospel by getting to know the people who live around us. I promise you there are people there. So this morning... As we start this new series, The Art of Neighboring, it's very simple. And if there's anything else I want you to walk away from, it's simply this, go next door. Go next door.
and begin praying for the people that live around you. When Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven and acts, he says, I want you to go. But he says to go to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He begins very localized right where you are. And it's not that going there is not important. But it's that every single one of us have the ability to go right here where you are. So this week, find a way to begin to get to know the people that live around you. Begin to pray for them as a family. And let's learn how to be good neighbors. To literally do what Jesus said and love our neighbors as ourselves. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to the people who live around us. That you would open our eyes to help us see that the good news of the gospel is in our hands. And it's our responsibility as your followers to make sure that the message that Jesus loves, that Jesus saves, that Jesus died and rose again goes not just throughout the whole earth, but Father, even just simply right here where you have placed us. May we, as your followers, as we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, may we love our neighbors as ourselves. May we engage the community that you have placed us in with your love and compassion. Father, we pray that you'd open our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could help you this morning in any way, if we could pray for you, we would love to do that. If you would love to begin your new life through Christ, or with Christ through baptism, we would love to help you in that as well. Whatever your need, um, we're going to have shepherds and ministry staff around the back of the auditorium, but come while we stand and we sing. Light of the world, you step down into darkness.